BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What just happened? This week on Pod Like a Raven. That's all I had. That's all I could give you for the intro to this episode because it's it's confusing. It's bad. There's a loss. There's confusion. There's injured players. Uh, and I'm I'm almost at a breaking point. Very early in an NFL season, it doesn't usually happen to me for the Ravens. I, I tend to be able to breathe through bad losses, but after the the disasters of last year. Uh, it just, the, the candle was only so big to start the year and it's just burnt very quickly after a few weeks. I'm Antonio Barbera with a solemn opening to this episode. Uh, I'm going to bring in my, my, my two co-hosts here, starting with Tim Horsey. Tim, we all, we watched this game together. We, we went to your house. Tim, I mean, I don't, I don't want to brag for Tim too much because he's going to get too many people knocking on his door to go watch the games, but... Tim's got a setup. He's got a fantastic basement setup. So that was great. It was nice that it was the three of us watching a game together for the first time in several years. And that's where the positives end, Tim. Um, what a what a day. Gosh, what a Sunday. Well, I thought the Italian cold cut dip was pretty good, too. D- d- it was delicious. Um, delicious. But outside of that, yeah, I don't, I don't think there was a ton of positives. Yeah, thank you guys for coming. It was great to, great to see everybody. Anytime I can introduce somebody to the world of three televisions on a football Sunday, I think you have to do it. Um, I will no longer be watching football any other way except when uh, going to the games. But, yeah, man, um, just the encapsulation of what this Ravens team has been in the John Harbaugh, Lamar Jackson era in 60 painful minutes that not too jazz to recount, but we're here and we're going to do it for the people and, uh, you know, might as well rip the bandit off and get started. And Jace Evans, Jace, it was great to see you. Uh, it was great to hang. I had, I had, I was maybe a little rusty on watching a football game with you, um, just because of the swings of emotion and how some, you know, some negativity, uh, can, can squeak its way in, uh, early doors for, for a game, but it was nice to see you. It was not nice to see the result. Uh, how you doing on Monday as we record here? Yeah, it was... I, I was telling Tim a little bit before you hopped on, Antonio, uh, just pre-show we were chatting, and I was just, like, in a fog, like, driving home from Tim's house, uh, like, all last evening, like, a fog of just, like, did that really happen? And then, like, to your... I think what you mentioned, just sort of... 
just the the feeling of deja vu and oh my god this is happening again and you know it's like i can't believe it happened and yeah i totally kind of can uh you know as after we recorded last week or when we recorded we were both very confident the ravens would win this game it was ruled that we gardner Minshew was starting this game and not anthony richardson the colts first round pick uh, and you know, from that perspective, I was like, great. And then I started to get concerned when reports of tropical storm Ophelia <laughs> started rolling in and it became clear this was going to be a wet and rainy Sunday. And I kind of said, oh no, uh, this is, this is the template for games we've struggled in. And sure enough, they did it. Like Tim said, it's just, it's become far too common to just the last few years, especially to just sort of. Just blow these games. This is their easiest game on paper for a month until they play at Arizona on October 29th, if you look at their schedule. And they blew it. I mean, they didn't play well. They still should have won and uh, in the end. And yet they still found a way not to do it. Even though, it, like, if Tucker hits that kick, it would have been a disappointing performance, but a win. And they could, uh, But just everything they did was wrong and bad and they leave this game with a just inexplicable loss it just it left me in a daze and i'm still sort of sort of in a daze this morning i still can't quite a kind of believe it happened <laughs> to some extent i teased the idea of a trap game last week with jace and then 10 seconds into it i just changed my i was i was pulled out of that idea because I think I said that Harbaugh and Jackson don't really have that game. That was more of like a Flacco-era feel to a game. Uh, but I was wrong about that. I think they have <laughs> done it, and they did it again, uh, this time at home. We almost recorded an episode yeah, on Sunday after this game, the three of us. We were all together. We were at Tim's. He's got all the equipment. We were like, we could do it now. Probably a good idea that we didn't. Uh, for Tim's sake, that would have been a lot of uh, a lot of post production work. On, oh no, on get, there would have been no post production work. No, we would have just kept it an E rating on that one. That would have been the first ever <laughs> E rating pod like a Raven because it would have been too much work. Frankly, I, I wouldn't have been able to do it. Hide your grandmothers, hide your your little cousins. Turn it. Don't listen this week while we get some things off our chest. But just, I mean, yeah. Jace, the fog is a good way to describe it. I, I I thought of it as living in, like experiencing two alternate universes, where in one, as this game is unfolding, the Ravens are are up fourteen to nothing. They have consecutive, calmly executed scoring drives. Uh, the Colts are then forced to be pass heavy, leads to sacks, leads to turnovers, and leads to a, just a calm. 1 p.m. win against a not very good football team. Then the other universe is reality, where when faced with the slightest obstacle, which is a Kenyon Drake fumble on their second drive as they're very easily making their way downfield, the offense, the defense, the special teams, the coaching staff, the fans, everyone panicked and imploded slowly over hours-long stretches of painful football. The Ravens' first drive of this game was 12 yards, 12, excuse me, 12 plays, 80 yards, and a touchdown. The next drive had a play of 9 yards, a play of 20 yards, and then a play of 24 yards before Drake fumbles. Their next five possessions on offense went punt, fumble, punt, 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 with one first down total. How is that possible? 
with the same players on the field outside of the mentality of the players and coaches changing. You can't, can you, I mean, try, I guess, but you cannot convince me that the Colts just schematically fixed everything by drive three immediately after a fumble and a, you know, a back-breaking turnover. You cannot, how is it possible that the team can look so horrendously terrible immediately after facing just a small challenge when all, when all things sort of are put together? Well, that that point right there is is the final is the the point that you make. One small obstacle for this team, and everything implodes. It is an organizational panic that kind of runs through from Sam Mustafer to Lamar Jackson to John Harbaugh to Eric DaCosta to the entire team. It just it feels like when when anything goes wrong. And obviously, a few exceptions to this over the years. They do not have the mental fortitude to overcome it, and mistakes get compounded, and it tiny little issues become massive problems. You know, Lamar Jackson fumbling what on two straight offensive possessions, Sam Mustafer with another bad snap. All these things kind of just combined, where it feels like when the when. When everything's going right, the 14-2 and two season, you know, and Lamar's first full season starting and all these things, like, they're humming. We're, we were sitting together watching this game going, man, they are, they're humming. It's timing. You know, I've talked about this on this podcast a, a number of times before that offense feels like jazz. Like, when it's in rhythm, you can kind of feel it if you've watched enough football. You can kind of feel it like, man, the timing is good. They're moving at a good pace. It's just clicking, back foot throw, run, back foot throw. It's a good combination of things. There's there's enough improvisation that, that works, but then, you know, when they need to get back to, for lack of a better term, just using it again, rhythm plays again. Everything is in sync. Everything flows. Everything feels right. But you throw one pebble in there, you throw one tiny issue, which, guess what, are going to happen. Like, that's, that's how this game is played. It, you have to overcome adversity and mistakes. They aren't able to do that. And I just, I, I said at the top, this game was a microcosm of the Ravens in this era of the last few years, of this John Harbaugh, Lamar Jackson, and not to put it all on those two, but just kind of that's how we see this era of football, right? Coach, quarterback, what have you. This, you know, team over the last couple of seasons, it just seems like, Anytime the chips are down, anytime there's any sort of adversity, us as fans are like willing them to just forget about it and move on and overcome it in some sort of way. And they're just not able to do that. And man, it is frustrating because it looks so simple. Like, I shouldn't say simple, but it looks so easy, right? Of just, hey, forget about it, move on. We can figure this out. And they constantly just trip over themselves as soon as as soon as things go bad. And yeah, we saw it again on Sunday. It was it was incredibly frustrating to watch. Yeah, I I think that panic that like that pressing to make a play. The most disappointing thing about all of it is just sort of you know um, how predictable it is at this point. Like yeah. I, when that fumble happens, I think we all watching it were like, oh boy. Like that's like we knew. Like I think I even said aloud at like at that moment, you know they're going to go three and out on their next possession, and they did. 
And the reason they did, and Tim, why I think it's fine to put the blame on John Harbaugh and Lamar Jackson is they are the two probably, well, I can't speak for Harbaugh fully on this part, but Lamar Jackson is the highest paid player on the team. He's the $50 million man now. And it's just insane he can't play in the rain. <laughs> like that's that's become a thing. Just we, we've touched on this in the past, but the last few seasons, Lamar has followed the exact same pattern where he starts out really good. The weather starts to get bad, as it does in Maryland. It can get awful. And then the last two years, he's just gotten hurt entirely. Uh, but his play goes on a downward trajectory over the course of the season as the weather gets worse. And we got a bad weather game because of this stupid storm. And the team, like, as you said, they just they couldn't stop putting the ball on the ground. That's kind of what it got got down to. And, I, and at a certain point, that just becomes like a, a, like a mental side of things, like just like causing these mistakes. They fumbled the ball on th- four straight possessions uh, in the first half. Uh between Drake, Lamar Jackson does it twice. Uh, once on a third down, you know, force a three and out and a punt. Then he gets the ball back and immediately fumbles this time. Didn't even wait for three downs. Uh, and that leads to Colts points. And they were never the same after that. And it's, it's just, it's so frustrating. Like, at one point, Lamar's nine for nine in this game. And the Ravens are losing. And you're just like, how does this happen? He rushes for 100 yards in this game. They lose for just the second time. He has 100 yards in a losing effort. Last, the first time being when they blew that huge lead to Miami last year. Um, it's bad. They should have never lost this game, and it starts with him. He's the highest-paid player on the team, and he's just got to play better. Like, And I didn't think he was good all game, really, but you know, they're still presented with an opportunity to win this game multiple times at the end of the game, and he just doesn't do it. Um you know, be it the late sack we'll get more into. And then I think the most brutal one, first possession of overtime, uh, after a huge Devin Duvernay punt, nearly a walk-off punt return. He's like one guy for beating him. Uh, he just misses Zay Flowers, just throws right behind him on a third down. They punt three and out after you get prime field position. You gain, you gain 10 yards in either of their last two, gain 10 or 15 yards in any of their last basically three possessions more than you had, they win the game. And he, he didn't do it, and they didn't do it. But it falls on him. When you're that when you're paid that much, it's on you. Uh, he got the money he wanted. Uh, you got to perform. He did last week. I thought it was one of the best games of his career. But the real great ones, it's about the consistency. And he just was. It wasn't. It wasn't there. It wasn't there in this game. He had an awful game. And yeah, it's just it's a, it just stinks. We know like we see that fumble, and we just we're so programmed to say, oh, here we go again, it's happening. And then it happens. They do nothing to, to make us think otherwise. So that, that's the other thing that's just awful about this game. Lamar Jackson now with four fumbles through three games, leads the NFL, has 46 fumbles for his career, had five fumbles all of last season, and he now has four uh, through three games this season. Uh and I, yeah, I, I want to go back to the point of him needing to be the guy, needing to be the guy, and needing to lift up the team in critical moments. And as this game, I mean, the game starts with the Ravens obviously out, significant starters, two offensive linemen, no Del Beckham, no Justice Hill, um, no Dobbins, of course. As the game goes along, more offensive players become injured and are out of this game. Gus Edwards did not finish the game. Um, Rashad Bateman, I'm not sure exactly when, but he had a minor injury that he then had to exit the game. Uh, I'm probably missing 
somebody, but so you've reached a point late in a game, it's raining, it's crappy, you played bad, um, but time to save it and at least get the win. And at that moment, by the time we got to the fourth quarter and overtime, the the offense, it almost seemed like they were getting worse and worse as the game went along. And so you have like three or four possessions late in the fourth quarter and into overtime when that is supposed to be the moment that he is supposed to elevate because of the situation. And quite frankly, you know, wasn't able to do it really at all, where he started missing, the, as you mentioned, Jace, the offense was out of rhythm. Um, the throws are suddenly all behind receivers. He threw behind Andrews at a certain point. He threw behind Flowers. Um, and it's frustrating. Uh, you know, We'll say this, and then two weeks from now, he'll have an amazing game where he has 500 combined yards, and we think, oh, you know, okay. He had a few plays in this game where he avoided sacks and extended plays. and But there are three or four possessions where that is when you need your quarterback to you know put the hand in the huddle and show how steady his hand is to the rest of the players and say, we got this. Well, you know, let's just execute. And that's when things fell apart the most. Defensively, um, it always feels worse, I think, for the three of us than it actually <laughs> is. Uh, in the moment, and then when we look at it later, we realize that oh, actually they played relatively well. Looking back on it today, <laughs> on Monday, they played very well. Uh, they forced turnovers, they got stops, they gave up mostly long field goal attempts. Uh, I, I think with the when I when we previewed this game, Jace, I said Gardner Minshew's a twenty point guy. You know, if he plays, they'll get twenty points, and that should be good enough. He had nineteen points in regulation. It took him overtime to get to twenty two points. Um, they got those third down stops, you know, relatively speaking, they've sacked him several times, but the play that is going to stick is them having two opportunities to recover a very recoverable fumble and not again, executing, executing is falling on the ball, knowing the situation, ensuring that you get possession. And instead they had three different players really because um, it was Hamilton and Moon. I think it was Moon. Hamilton and yeah, Moon, Moon. Yeah. simultaneously trying to scoop and score as a par- as opposed to just falling on the ball. And then Stevens trying to pick it up, trying to fall, but unable to recover it. it, it I, I'm going to remember that play for eight weeks um, because of how frustrating frustrating it is. In in opposition to how well they played, really, uh, over the, the majority of this game, but a frustrating, uh, frustrating performance for defensively. It just seems like for the defense, because I agree with you. I mean, they they hold the Colts to 3.9 yards per play. You should never lose this game with that sort of defensive performance. But um, and and they induced a safety. They scored points. Uh, now, uh, yeah, because they couldn't manage to fall on that, they kind of took some points away from themselves. Uh, Would have been nice to have a turnover. That's like the one thing you know we've been harping on, and they did it last week with Geno Stone's pick. Of course, he leaves this game injured after getting rocking himself on uh, Michael Pittman catch where he gets his own helmet. Pittman gets his helmet torn off and somehow still makes the catch. Uh, so Geno Stone's hurt there. They get the big turnover last week that they needed. Uh, they don't fall on that ball, and they don't get the turnover they you kind of need in today's NFL, as we sort of talked about you know this week. Uh, and Minshew was dying to throw him a pick. Like, Ronald Darby, like, should have probably had a pick six and just, like, 
didn't catch the ball and it goes sailing right over his head, like directly over his head. Uh, there were a few other moments similar, you know, Patrick Queen mis kind of misplayed the touchdown and he, he, he blamed himself for that. So, you know, good on him for that, I guess, for taking ownership and, and, um, not that he made an awful play, but you know, he could have knocked the ball away. Didn't. And that's a touchdown. <laughs> so, uh, it's just those little things with this defense, I think that gets them. And, and then like, this, the same thing, like, they got they got banged for a few big runs, um, especially, you know, one came, a tw Colts got a 20-plus yard gain after the Ravens had scored. That sort of helped set them up right after a score. Um, just plays like that. It, it, it's just like the moment-to-moment -moment thing. But it's weird because, yeah, on the whole, uh, they played great. And one guy in particular, I'll kind of let Tim speak to him, uh, but... Uh, yeah, you, you see that 3.9 yards. They shouldn't have lost. I still think they did enough to win, but you get one turnover, you fall on that ball, you probably do win. You make one or two plays, you don't allow a big run. So, it, yeah, that's why I think it is weird, Antonio. It's these moment-to-moment -moment things that end up killing this team because their offense messes around on all day and they just have no margin for error. And so then when you mess up, there it is. <laughs> yeah, and let's not forget they had to keep going back on the field because of said mess-ups that you're talking about with the offense, which – you know, as a Ravens fan, it's something that you're kind of used to. Remember when it's like, <laughs> right, oh, my God, right. the defense has been on the field for 55 minutes and they held him to 10 points. Do anything offense, um, which is kind of familiar. Um, I'll go quickly on the fumble. Did Ed Reed ruin the sport of football because everybody think they can scoop and score? No, I'm kidding. Obviously not because Ed Reed's the best thing that ever happened to football. Uh, Jeremiah Moon, you're not that guy, pal. Just jump. Just just dive on it. Just dive on it. You don't need your moment. All we need you to do is recover that football. And, um, man, that was one of the many mistakes that the Ravens made that, you know, that I, I think, and I'll, I'll be honest, you know, obviously we all have things to do. And I, I didn't, frankly, even if I had time, I wasn't going to go back and watch the extended highlights of this game. <laughs> I couldn't stomach them. But I think there's like seven times where the Ravens could have just won this game. Like, not, and that might be the under. It might be 10. It might be 15. Like, I, I don't know how high it goes of just moments in this game that are, you know, the, the fair catch, which we'll get to a little bit. Uh, John Harbaugh just saying, oh, there was a lot was going on. It's my fault. What Freaking job. And I know Jay says something on that later. Whether you talk about the fumble, whether you talk about the Dan Orlovsky moment from Gardner Minshew and not being able to capitalize and failed punts, what have you. All of these things are the reason that we're not talking about a pretty good defensive performance um, for a unit that is now kind of relying on Jadavion Clowney to be the number one edge guy. Um, David Ajabo went out of this game after four plays. Just another one. Gus Edwards still being evaluated for a concussion. Like at some point, and I know we'll talk about this a little bit later. At some point, the, the injuries are going to get too much again for like the third year in a row. And the Ravens are not going to be able to sustain this. Um, you just can't. You only have 53 guys. And when, most of the good ones are gone. You simply aren't going to win football games. But one guy who isn't hurt yet, God willing, doesn't get hurt this season and is truly developing into a top five player on this team, I think. Um, you know, not there yet, but getting there based on the, the, the talent and what he can do for a defense is Kyle Hamilton. I mean, this guy, if, if you don't know, um, you know, some of you actually have social lives, as Jace once joked to me, um, and don't read NFL mock drafts constantly as they're leading up and you know starting like what Jace we probably start in like November 
reading mock drafts, you know, getting <laughs> getting somewhere up there, trying to see who the top prospects are and what have you. And I, I lump myself in with this, obviously. Kyle Hamilton was like a top five consensus pick by everybody for the entire season leading up into the NFL draft two years ago uh, when the Ravens picked him. Uh, I believe I don't have it with me. I believe it was 12th or 14th, somewhere in those early teens. And he fell because he had some bad com- uh, combine stats. He ran a bit slower than you'd want a safety to run. Safety isn't a premier position. And then the guy gets drafted, and you look at him out on the field, and you're like, that's a safety? That guy? Okay, we can work with that. And obviously there was some, there's some growing pains in the first year. The speed isn't there, what, what have you. But he has become the unicorn piece that I think defenses need uh, in today's NFL that is so... So rigged towards the offense, so offensively dominant, and also the rules kind of allow offenses to get away with things that the defenses simply can't handle. He is big, he he has enough speed, he de- clearly has the awareness. The man can tackle, which is an underrated aspect of playing defense nowadays, which I think is incredibly infuriating. And one thing that we saw on Sunday, by God, he is the best pass rusher the Ravens had since <laughs> Terrell Suggs. Three sacks for Kyle Hamilton. Shane Steichen just didn't adjust to the the weak side blitz from the safety. Putting him in the box, uh, outside of the sacks, which everybody saw, it's the easy thing to talk about. He was making plays all over the field. He was a sure tackler in one-on-one situations, which the only other guy we have like that is probably Roquan Smith. And frankly, on most defenses, you don't have a ton of guys like that because these guys just don't hit anymore. Um I'm very excited by what Kyle Hamilton can kind of turn into for this. De- it's some, it, look, I was never low on the guy. I think he got some, some criticism early from some fans who were like, oh, he got burned on this or he got burned on that. The dude is a queen on the chessboard, as we've talked about a number of times. You can put him deep, which you're going to need to with Marcus Williams. You can put him up as a box safety. You can clearly rush the passer with the guy because even when they were trying to get after him, he was getting past chip blocks and getting right to Gardner Minshew, who – I mean, situational awareness, Lana, my God, did not see him coming anytime. Um, I think I think that's a guy who, by the end of the year, you know, rip it right. Everybody healthy off the top of your head, right? You're thinking most important Ravens. You're thinking Lamar Jackson. You're thinking Ronnie Stanley, maybe. You're thinking Marlon Humphrey, certainly. Then you start getting into big money guys. You're thinking Marcus Williams, who got paid. You're thinking Roquan Smith, obviously. Jesus Christ, he's number two, maybe number one. My bad. Apologies to Lord Roquan. You're thinking, um, you know, after these first couple weeks, maybe a Zay Flowers type. You're thinking Mark Andrews, obviously, right? There's a lot of talent, and the Ravens have spent a lot of money on a lot of talent. They keep their good guys in-house. They try and do their best to do that anyway. Lamar, Stanley, Marlon Humphrey, Mark Andrews, kind of your big pantheon of paid guys. For me, Kyle Hamilton is, is flying up those ranks of the guy that, you know, they're not letting him get to a contract year. Two years, like a, like a Mark Andrews, where we didn't even see it coming. It was like, oh, they extended Mark Andrews. Oh, they paid Ronnie Stanley like they should have. Oh, good. Kyle Hamilton is going to be one of those dudes where they recognize it, they set the value early so it's not an outrageous contract, and they keep that guy in purple and black for a long time. Queen on the chessboard, a piece that Mike McDonald is going to use all over the field, and I love watching the guy play. I just, I really, really, really enjoy it, and you know, this this past Sunday was the best time we had, albeit in everything else being absolutely horrendous. Five career sacks now for Kyle Hamilton, which is three shy of Odafe Owe's career sacks with an additional season while also playing a position whose actual role is to get to the quarterback and 
Tim, that's my pivot to more negativity. Uh, <laughs> enough with your, enough with your positivity on the one. Hey, really bright, someone's got to bring it to this kid. podcast, right? <laughs> someone has to bring the positivity week in and week out. It's definitely yeah. me. Uh, I, I mentioned late, maybe post game, when we were sitting on the sitting on the old couch. Uh, I said, you know what I should do, which I've only done two or three times after really, really bad losses, is just list out the mistakes because it's cathartic and it's annoying. And I said, nah, I won't do it for this game. And then Tim said, you know, you you should. You should. should. Because if there's ever a game with mistakes to list out, it's this one. So I did, Tim. Uh, You were right to to get me to do that. Uh, And I listed them all here. Mostly. Um, We've talked about a couple of them already. I'm going to repeat them because they were annoying and they were painful. And I agree that if maybe (laughs) any of these individually didn't occur, the Ravens would have a victory as opposed to a loss uh, at home. Here's my list of mistakes with some caveats as we get down toward the bottom. Kenyon Drake fumble on the second drive of the game. Lamar Jackson fumble recovered on the third drive of the game. Lamar Jackson fumble on the fourth drive of the game. Yes, Lamar Jackson fumbled on consecutive offensive plays from one drive to the next. Sam Mustafer had a bad snap slash fumble on third and five of the fifth drive. This, this, so that was four consecutive drives, I think Jace mentioned it earlier, with a Ravens fumble. Uh, <laughs> the sixth drive was the end of the first half. It was one play, so you can't really count it as a drive, even though they kind of messed that one up too because they weren't trying, but maybe they were trying, and then they gained 10 yards and then looked woefully unclear about what to do if they gained yards. Okay. The seventh drive... <laughs> Had a Morgan Moses false start, which I'm I'm counting as a mistake. Pre-snap penalties, I, I don't excuse. You know, maybe a hold, I'm not going to call a mistake because maybe you're trying to protect the quarterback or whatever. Those happen. Pre-snap, I am going to count it. So, seventh drive, had the Morgan Moses false start. Gus Edwards gets stopped in the backfield on third and one, where uh, the announcer, James Lofton, noted that the play design was too obvious to ever work. And... There was a subsequent 32-yard punt return uh, on the stout punt after that third down didn't didn't work. I have yet to get to the fourth quarter, by the way, as I list these mistakes yet, much less overtime. <laughs> oh, my God. There was a fair catch. There's the fair catch uh, on the punt after the safety that gave the Colts a free timeout and basically 40 extra seconds of time. Lamar takes a 10-yard loss on a sack with 23 seconds left in regulation at midfield while trying to drive for a game-winning field goal. And then in the final possession, in overtime, Isaiah likely just flat-out drops a third-down pass that would have kept the drive going and likely gotten the Ravens into field goal range. I don't know if you noticed this, but I skipped anything on defense. (laughs) I skipped them not recovering the fumble. I skipped most penalties. I skipped offensive mistakes in coverage, setting the edge which happened several times in this game. We stink. Uh, and I'm fed <laughs> up. And it's only three weeks into the season and the Ravens are 2-1. and one Because it shouldn't be this bad. It shouldn't be like this. Uh, and I'm just going to turn to Jace now because I can't, I can't keep being the bearer of bad news. Jace, why does this keep happening? How can this keep happening? What? I know you have a nice, uh, you know what, I'm just going to, no. It's what's bothering Jace. I'm um, bringing it back this week on Pod Like a Raven. What's bothering Jace? 
it's tied into this game. Jace, please take it away. Yeah, the overarching issue, the, the, the thing that circles around all of this, why it keeps happening, is the head coach. The 16-year head coach of the Baltimore Ravens, uh, John Harbaugh, Antonio. Um, so you made a point, I think this was last year. What's more upsetting is it's possibly it was even 2021 because we've been talking about this way too much lately. Uh, but you had mentioned, like, John Harbaugh's job, right? He doesn't call offensive or defensive plays. His job then, he is a CEO coach. His job is to oversee the smooth running of the ship. But the problem is the ship has not been running smoothly for three years now, basically since 2020. Um, You could say, I think the ship has not been running smoothly since they lost to the playoffs to the Tennessee Titans in January of 2020. Uh, I I think things have been adrift since then. Uh, and, And like, we just keep having these problems and losing these games. And, like, so, like, John Harbaugh's job, right? His job is to make sure guys like Zay Flowers are get the communication out to know that he's no longer supposed to call fair catch when the refs add a few seconds to the clock. That's John Harbaugh's job. He's not calling plays. His job is to make sure his team is paying attention to the details. You know, it, 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 like, his whole job, his whole job is to manage clock, game situation, uh... And most importantly, uh, to manage the composure and preparedness of his team. But he hasn't been doing that as good as he used to. And we know he used to do it well because he won a Super Bowl. (laughs) You don't win that by accident. Um, Maybe you do. But, uh, you know, Harbaugh, like, it's just like, with, with like that Zay Flowers thing and the fair catch and just all these mistakes you talk about that they like commit. Like, he, he, he's, he's theoretically this disciplinarian-type coach, right? The CEA, like, and... Supposed like, to be. That's why he's there. Supposed to yeah, be that guy. but his team, like, is undisciplined. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. It, 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 it's, it, it's, yeah, it, you nailed it, Tim. It's just like... And yes, I know they only had one actual penalty in this game, but you let you read through the, the mistakes. Like, it, it's undisciplined just play, and more undisciplined in the sense that the attention to detail is just not there. And it hasn't been there for years. They're finding ways to lose games they never used to lose before. I think back to last year, that implosion against the Giants, which is as bad a loss as I think I've ever seen. Blowing a 21-point lead at home to the Dolphins. This game. They just never used to lose games like this to, like... And maybe the Colts aren't as bad as we thought going in. They're 2-1 and one now. I think they're okay but uh, I mentioned, this is their easiest game in a month and a half. <laughs> their next two games are at division opponents on the road. They're going to London. And then their next game at home is against the Detroit Lions, who might be leading an, an, a division in a month. Look way improved. This is like their easiest game on the schedule, literally outside of the Arizona game the entire rest of the year. And they lose it. And they just never used to do that under Harbaugh. I, I think the evidence of the slippage is, can be seen in the home record. 16 and 11 in Baltimore since 2020. They used to, you know, we've made this joke on this program and used to talk about it amongst ourselves. Ray Lewis's infamous undefeated at the crib split on the road line, which is very funny for a number of reasons. They're not even getting close to going undefeated at the crib every year. They're losing at least three games a year every year since COVID started. Uh, And it just used to not happen. And... Uh, you know, I, I said on Twitter and to you all, I think I've been late to reach this 
opinion, but then I thought, well, I might have said this on the show last year, but I think it's t- this should be Harbaugh's last season, barring some deep, you know, they get it together and go to the AFC Championship game or something, because just just does not seem like a Super Bowl team, and I doubt it's ever going to be again with him. And the bigger reason, I think, it, it's got to be Harbaugh who goes, you paid the QB $50 million a year. We said Lamar Jackson... You know, wasn't great on Sunday, but it's too late to decide he's the problem. <laughs> if it's not working out with him, like you got to make find someone who makes it work, and that puts it on Harbaugh. And I just think it's it's time for change. Like, yeah, the the discipline problems, just these mistakes. It's just upsetting, and even the injury thing. I know this is extremely unfair of me, um, but three years in a row of these injuries. At a certain point, like, and this is not just Harbaugh. This is an Eric DaCosta problem, I think, too. At some point, it is your problem. (laughs) You're either, like, doing something wrong with your training or your sports performance or something that these guys keep getting hurt, or you're just, like, choosing wrong players (laughs) like that just get hurt all the time. Something about your roster makeup is just wrong. Like, we mentioned they don't have a pass rusher now. Their pass rusher is... 30-year-old Jadavion Clowney. Uh, like, how how do we have one guy to rush, rush the passer that isn't Kyle Hamilton? Like, I don't know. It's just, like, if it happens every year for three consecutive years, like, at some point, it's not just bad luck, I think. Like, I think you – like, I know a lot of people are hurt across the NFL. A ton of teams are dealing with injuries now, but – I mean, just every single year, that's just what it's going to be. You're just not going to have a team by October. Like, something's something's fundamentally wrong. And I don't know if that's just he's been here way too long and they just need to freshen it up, but something's got to change. Well, look, it can be your problem when, you know, the players did that poll over the summer and it was like the training staff was horrendously bad. It was like an F in terms. And that guy is gone. It was the same guy who gave everybody COVID way back when uh, i don't even scott saunders maybe steve no, saunders steve saunders thank you um it it it's an institutional problem and i'll just add this i mean i'm not going to retread on everything jay said because he's absolutely right i told you guys this story and I'll, I'll spare some details for the sanctity of keeping this um a family show but i remember when brian billick got fired like i, I it was 2008 you know i was 16 yeah 16 if the math holds up and i remember my dad like called up to me and was like hey uh brian billick just got fired as you know me diehard nerdy ravens fan who was bringing you this podcast every week a guy who loved brian billick the guy who brought a super bowl you know and and a lot of my early memories as a kid are like the time i spent with family friends was sundays Every Sunday, we'd be going somewhere to watch a game, and I fell in love with it that way. And Brian Billick was the reason for all of that. And I just remember, I distinctly remember this feeling, and I don't know why, 15 years later, I still remember this. I just remember thinking, meh. Like, that that was the reaction. And that was the reaction because, one, it was probably I didn't really know how to feel about a guy who I admired and who I thought was a really good coach for the team that I loved. But fighting back against that was the feeling of, it's time. It's time. The message has gone cold. And I don't want to do this every week. We've been doing – we did this a lot last year too. And I've, I've told kind of the same version of this story uh, hundreds, hundreds of times on the show. But at some point, the message gets stale. At some point, things need to change. 
Look what Mike McDaniel was doing in in Miami as like a new, fresh kind of face. Look at what some of these new coaches are really, really uh, improving on. Look at like a a Dan Campbell type, like uh, the guy that you want to be a laughing stock, Nick Sirianni, with one of the worst press conferences uh, for an introductory head coach a couple of seasons ago, and then he's doing great things with the Philadelphia Eagles. Dan Campbell with the Lions. Dan Campbell is making the Lions like relevant because he's bringing a different message, and yeah. He shows meathead to the to the camera, but those guys love him. Do our players love Harbaugh? Like, do, do you see those videos anymore? Remember the videos in the 14-2 and two season? You want to go for it, Coach? Hell yeah, I want to go for it. And all these things of, like, being this guy that the players really rally around. And look, I, we're not inside. I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm making a lot of assumptions here. Kind of seems like he's not the guy that they love anymore. And... It could be too late. It absolutely could be too late. But for this season anyway. But you gotta recognize you gotta take emotions out of it and recognize when something has gone stale. And it might it, I'm not saying it is, but it, it might just be that at this point. Well, I think Tim, if you take a like just a big picture look, you know, the Super Bowl, it seems recent. It's not. Maybe we're just old. It's not, yeah. Uh, since the Super Bowl, they've won two playoff games in the 10 seasons that have been played since. And uh, they've won the division twice in 10 years. Ben Roethlisberger's won this division more recently than the Ravens. <laughs> and, like, uh, it's just, you know, I, I you, you think about those things and the fact that I think John Harbaugh's still a good coach. I think like he's gonna get this team to probably ten and seven or eleven and six, but I just don't know what the ceiling is. Like if you're like if you're maxing out at like the best we could be is losing on wild card weekend. It's like what are we doing? <laughs> like it's like I think he's both a good coach and better things are possible. That's kind of like my succinct summary. It's like he's had an incredible run. Uh, he's the third longest tenured coach in the league, right? Like. At this point, you nailed it. I mean, the message gets stale, and the results just haven't been there, really, in the big picture. Like, I think the early Lamar stuff was great, and then since then, we've been on a sort of downward trajectory. So, I don't know. And I don't know. They could beat the Browns this week. We'll get into that, and maybe it's they're they're three and one. They are going to go on to win the division, but it's just like they just didn't need this game for, I think, a staff and a team that had so much pressure on it entering the season to show strides forward. And this was just such a huge step back. The, the difference between three and O in a conference where there's only one undefeated team now and two and one and looking like probably not even the, maybe not even the best team in your division, definitely not the best team in the AFC. It's just a bummer. Uh, it's just a bummer, a bummer of a Sunday. And just, I think uh, the biggest bummer is this, Having to have this conversation we're having right now is just dragging all this this old is has Harbaugh been here too long stuff back. It, it, you know, it's it, it it's way too early in the season to be doing this all over again. It feels like just deja vu and like yeah, like a continue like this was the most felt like a continuation of the last three years, and it just was such a bummer to just have to think about the, the la- how bad the last two years have been. I saw Harbaugh's face uh, a couple of times in that. Colts game they showed him after you know pick a mistake and I I, I think I even said to you guys like look at how he looks like this is like a late December bummed out face for Harbaugh or like a playoff game bummed out face and he's already looking very stressed (laughs) 
after negative plays and negative situations by week three. I mentioned this, I think, this past offseason when they you know, finally got rid of Greg Roman. It was like, well, this is it for Harbaugh. Mm-hmm. Two seasons ago, they changed the defensive coordinator. This past offseason, they changed the offensive coordinator. There's nobody left in the King's mansion to, to get rid of the King's castle. It's a castle, maybe, not a mansion. <laughs> There's nobody left of the King's subjects, if we're looking at Bashadi as, you know, in charge here. Harbaugh can't turn to anybody else. This is his excuse now. This is his team. This is what, you know, his last chance. If they don't win the division, and I would say probably win multiple playoff games, he will not return next season. That is my uh, my week three uh, take of an NF of a seventeen game you know football season, but um, gosh, yeah, that's it. Frust- I hate it. This team stinks. Frust- frustrating, and we're moving on from it to the NFL. Where real quickly, can I just do a oh, couple yeah. of intangibles here, sure, if you don't sure. mind? Um, we didn't mention it in all the offensive struggles, and maybe we did, and it just got glossed over. Minus two yards in the second quarter. <laughs> just gonna just gonna sit on that one. You know, we oh, we boy. talked about it. Rewind if you want to hear all the issues, but just. That needs to be noted. Um, I actually want to give John Harbaugh credit for not really giving a lot of credence to the face mask and DPI that Zay Flowers should have gotten um, by the refs. Look, both should have been called, but you're making excuses for your team if you try and you know make a big storm about that stuff. And that's not the reason they lost, guys. It's not the reason they lost. Kenya Drake doesn't fumble. This game is 42 to nothing. I'm convinced. Um <laughs> I don't want to do the whole commentary bit because I feel like I get mean and I don't want to get mean. I'm trying to turn over a new leaf um, here <laughs> in my thirties, but outside of Pat McAfee, I never want to hear from a kicker. Um, and Pat McAfee <laughs> does it because he's entertaining, not because I really think about like the analytics of what he's saying. He's just an entertaining guy on the television and, and radio and podcasts. Um, so yeah, maybe think about that, you know, for the, the guy who is the father of Colorado's kicker. I'll just leave it at that. Don't even want to name him. Um, and his co-host going, the house of Jason Tucker. <laughs> um, Antonio, I will credit you on this point uh, because you said it in the moment. Or Jace, maybe. One of you said it in the moment. Credit to the both of you. Why not? Why not? Just give credit out to everybody. First of all, they called him Jason Tucker. He's the best kicker <laughs> in the history of the National Football League. Respect him, please. Especially when you have one of his own kind up in the booth who was just just spewing word vomit to get his name out there. Like just, just a windbag of nothing as the third guy with a, with a microphone in that booth. And then to call it the house of Justin Tucker, not one person in the Baltimore fan base, not one calls this place, the house of Justin Tucker, the hollowed halls of M&T bank stadium, the big crab cake, the bank, whatever you want. A Ray Lewis, or Terrell Suggs, or Ed Reed, or Smoking Joe Flacco. <laughs> Nobody's calling it the house of Justin Tucker. So if you want to make up this name that you think is going to appease the locals, just stop it. Please stop it. It was horrendous. Calling him Jason Tucker was bad. Calling it the house of Justin Tucker was worse. And speaking of appeasing the locals, shout out to Lindsay OK on Twitter. I know there, there are different opinions on her, um, but... A former co-host of mine, I think she does uh, really good stuff on the Ravens, points out the Colts put a graphic out after the at the end of the game, and they said, delicious. And it was a plate of uh, crab with some roasted corn on the cob, some Old Bay in the picture as well. 
And they're trying to do the whole, like, we just went into Maryland and smoked them thing. First of all, the Colts, for you to do that with everything that happened in 1983, touchy anyway. Yeah, have fun with your alcoholic owner. Uh, I bet he doesn't have a Coke problem. The second part of this is that these are Alaskan crab legs in this picture. Not blue crabs. Clearly Alaskan crab legs. The long, thin legs that you see in the Deadliest Catch on whatever channel that's on. If you're going to insult them, just get it right. You make yourself look like an ass when you do it this way. And frankly, it infuriated me more than it should have. But I saw that and it was just like, we're going Alaskan? We're going Alaskan here? Just put a blue crab on a plate. Just do it. It's very simple to do. And then you can insult us that way. It's fine. Have your fun. Again, Gardner Minshew and Anthony Richardson. I'm sure it's going to work out for you. I'm sure it's going to be great. I just, I just, it was a little touch of like, I was already upset, and then I saw that this morning, and I was just like, you got to be effing kidding me. <laughs> that they went, they, maybe they did it willingly to really piss us off, and knowing that the Indiana, Indianapolis people wouldn't care because they're in the middle of, of, you know, just surrounded by planes and nothing else. Have a look at the ocean one time. It's grand. I just, yeah, it's just infuriating. I had to get it off my chest before we moved on. I apologize. I was going to say, I think that's the problem. It's just Indi- Indiana's relative distance from the ocean. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that any of those people have seen a blue crab. Don't know while. seafood. Don't know seafood. Uh, the only thing, Antonio, I want to just touch on, uh, just one final kick in the teeth uh, before we move off this game, is uh, Matt Gay set an NFL record for most 50-yard field goals made in a game. <laughs> in the house of Justin Tucker, apparently, too. He he hit uh, four 50-yard field goals in this game, and good on him. He drilled them, too. Awful weather. You know, Tucker comes up sh- just short from 61. That all, that's all Lamar's fault for that sack at the end we touched on. Uh, um, you know, they're 40 feet closer. He makes that, probably. But, uh yeah, Matt Gay, four fifty-yard field goals, new NFL record, and that was just a classic. That could only happen to the Ravens. That's uh, losing, but when a, an opposing kicker hits four fifty-yard field goals, that that seems that seems like just something. I'm shocked hasn't ha- didn't happen in like two thousand five to this team when uh, we lost a game where like we didn't give up a touchdown but gave up four fifty-yard field goals. So uh, yeah, that was that was just kind of a, the cherry on top of uh, this awful Sunday of a Sunday. <laughs> Ravens 2-1, tied for first place in the AFC North, uh, and we all hate it. You could be better. Yeah. You could be so much better. Uh, across the NFL, um, week one was a bit of a dud. Week two had the bananas overtimes and one-score games and Hail Marys and all that stuff. Week three, eight games decided by two touchdowns or more across the league. <laughs> Uh, some weird ones, some underdogs uh, won some games, and then uh, some teams put some points on the board. Dolphins, Broncos, basketball score there, like a good high school team against a bad high school team for that game. Uh, Chiefs versus Bears versus Taylor Swift. Uh, That happened, whatever. Chiefs played very well. They seem to be back on track offensively, the Bears. Oh boy! Imagine if we did this podcast as Bears fans, guys. We, we I mean, we, we would just like implode into dust mid episode. We wouldn't be doing this podcast. <laughs> I could just guarantee you that. Uh, yeah. Cowboys lose to the Cardinals by two scores, two touchdowns. The Cardinals could be three and zero, have had leads in all of their games, and also maybe the worst team in the NFL. Very confusing there. Uh, what games, guys, did you uh, did you enjoy the most or, or got the most attention from you uh, over the weekend? Um, 
just in case we didn't mention it, because you said basketball score, but you didn't put the actual score. 70 points. 70. 10 touchdowns for the Miami Dolphins against the Broncos, who, man, I mean, I told you both. I thought the line was fishy, so I ended up just sprinkling a little bit on Broncos 6.5, and, a half, and um, that was over before it started. That was that was something. <laughs> You need uh, you know, sixty and a half, right? In the, I, I just a couple outside of the ones that you pointed out. Um, the Packers come back from seventeen points down to win eighteen to seventeen. Um, you know, didn't play great, but you know, watch out. Here's here's some more negativity for Bears fans. I think Jordan Love is just another good quarterback that the <laughs> Packers have. I don't. I'm not saying he's going to be Aaron Rodgers or Brett Favre, but like, he's better than Justin Fields, like already. So. Good on the Packers. I feel really good about them uh, moving forward. I've, I've been on them a lot. I think I have them to win the division, too. It just feels it feels good uh, that they look like kind of the Packers again. Although, you know, not great, I would say, but a good team. Not nearly as bad. Again, their over-under win total was the same as the Bears at the start of the year. Just think about that. And now I think, you know, those teams are heading in incredibly different directions. Um, outside of what you mentioned here, you know, we, we gave Tay Swift her 10 seconds so we can move on from that swiftly. The Bills, man. The Bills. Uh, the Washington Commanders are who we thought they were. Sorry to all of our – I know we have a, a few fans who are actually Commanders fans as well. Um, yeah, Sam Howell just got shown what it's like to play an actual NFL defense. Bills with a massive win over the commanders that one finishing 37 to three and the bills look back and bills dolphins this weekend is going to be really, really fun. I'm sure we'll talk about that in a bit. Um, and then finally, uh, shout out to the Texans shout out to the Houston Texans too. a 37 to 17 victory over the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jaguars were supposed to walk the AFC South. And I think we kind of talked about that one before too, where we were like, I don't know. It, it's it's weird just seeing the Jags and Lions as favorites for their division. It's something about those colors being at the top. I don't know if I like. Jags got smacked. And C.J. Stroud, man, cool, calm, collected, really showing a lot of poise for that Texans team. And good for them. I think the Texans are definitely better than a lot of us thought they would be, uh, myself included. And they've got some dudes on that team. And, you know. I'm not saying they're going to be making a run to the AFC championship or anything, but they're going to be a tough out for a lot of teams. So good on the Texans. I just think we can't make enough of what the Dolphins did on Sunday. I mean, 70 points, that's nearly the NFL record. NFL record 73, back in like the 40s, regular season record 72, and the Dolphins declined a chance to break that record, uh, much to the chagrin of their fans. Uh, they also had 726 yards, which I believe to be the NFL record for yards in a game. I mean, they just, this was just like an all time historic offense performance. And I think, one, as the Dolphins, I mentioned, are now, I think, in passing, the Dolphins are the only undefeated team in the AFC. Um, and I think they're really good. And I think if Tua stays healthy, like, it's possible. You know, you don't want to overreact too much to one game. They do play the Bills this week, I believe. So a, a huge challenge coming up. Um, but you can't play better than a day played on Sunday. I think like, I think if the season ended today, you'd have to say them and the 49ers have been like the two most impressive teams, uh, through three, uh, through three weeks. So just a really historic performance. And I think one that deserves all the accolades they, they, people give it. But yeah, just a lot of other weird results. Like you mentioned that Cards Cowboys thing, Antonio, and just listening to like some other national podcasts and stuff. 
And I was thinking about this even before I listened to like around the NFL last night or this morning. Um, but, uh, you know, they they touched on so many other games before they mentioned this Ravens-Colts game. And there were so many weird results. I was like, it made me feel a little better about the Ravens because this league is just weird. It's so weak to we. I mean, the Cardinals beating the Cowboys makes no sense on any level. The Cowboys, obviously, they don't have Trevon Diggs. He tears his ACL in practice during the week. But still, they look like the the best team in the NFL, possibly through two weeks, and then they lose to the team that everyone thinks is the worst. It just it, nothing makes sense in this league, and I think that overshadowed to some degree what the Ravens did, where you or you can hand wave it away maybe and say, oh, that was just a weird game. But I kind of reject that. I would still want the Ravens to be three and zero. I don't think other teams having awful and weird Sundays kind of excuses us. Um, losing that game but it i think it does at the other side of the coin speak to just the weird nature of the league the only other game i want to touch on uh that we didn't mention antonio 15 straight 15 straight for the new england patriots over the new york jets uh zach we were all over that one jace last week all over i mean i got a little nervous we were monitoring that game uh and you know you watch and like the Patriots are not good, but the Jets are worse, and Zach Wilson is just not it. Like he is, and, and I don't know if he's so not it to the point where they're going to make a trade. The Jets are one and two now with the Chiefs coming to town <laughs> for a Sunday night football game. It might be a point of no return uh, for them if if Patrick Mahomes and God, I imagine I don't want to keep bringing her up, but I imagine is Taylor Swift going to be at a New York Sunday night game? She's performing the anthem, Jace. Uh, yeah, just kidding. Uh, um, so she might be in the building and that'll be insufferable to watch the Chiefs put 90 points on them while just Zach Wilson gets like death threats from the New York crowd. So it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna be uh, something that has to change with him and the Jets. They, they can't just keep doing this. So that would be the only other, the other game that caught my eye, uh, that we were monitoring while, while our Ravens were disappointing us is, uh, the Jets, the Jets being even more disappointing than the Cowboys, like the biggest egg in the league this week. Uh, that, those all stand out, obviously. Yeah. Going back to the Giants, Jace, that, I mean, the lesson, I, I think, I don't know. There is a lesson, maybe, that the NFL is just weird, that you're going to have <laughs> ugly losses, that good teams lose football games, and then three months later, they look like world beaters. The Chiefs lost week one at home to the Lions, right? They're going to win. They're probably going to win the Super Bowl again, or whatever, at least get to the Super Bowl. That loss will look uh, you know, inexcusable uh, weeks later, but um, the Giants lost to the Cowboys week one, 40 to nothing. The Giants then had a historic comeback against the Cardinals in Week Two, and won thirty-one to twenty-eight. And the Cardinals then turned around and beat the aforementioned Cowboys by twelve the week after that. In like handily, this wasn't a fluke. That game, uh, like, yeah, so they I, controlled it. Maybe the NFL makes no sense. Maybe the Ravens, you know, they'll be fine. But, but I reject that uh, today. I reject that as we report. Um, <laughs> Because I'm mad at you, Ravens. I'm mad at you. Um, anything else on the NFL, guys, before we uh, have to talk about the Ravens again? Just real quickly, I should have mentioned it when we did the Texans. Um, shout out the up man in the kick return for the Texans uh, <laughs> that we watched like a couple times on Red Zone. It's like a fullback, definitely, who looked like Dante Hall. 
like avoiding people or Devin Hester on the kick return. He's leaping over guys. He's doing hurdles. He's he's moving out of the way. Scored a touchdown in that Texans game I, I previously mentioned. Um, so credit to him. I thought that was just a, a fun a fun moment we should point out uh, during the NFL week. That's uh, how you around uh, the NFL- you get touches. Tim is when you you force the returner to let you feel the <laughs> yeah right kick basically boxed out the returner to take the kick and took it to the house which was awesome. Uh, they mentioned on around the NFL he's the heaviest player to ever have a kick return touchdown. So cool fact. It, was, cool it fact. looked it looked funny. It was great, and then you you read that and you're like even better. It's historic too. It, it, it was a, a true play of the day for me. <laughs> All right, let's get back to these stupid Ravens. They have to travel to Cleveland this week. They are two-and-a-half-point underdogs at the Browns. Vegas, they saw enough, uh, have seen enough, really, for two of the three Ravens games. Previews are, I would say, objectively impossible with this team. Uh, I, you know... I create the rundown for these shows every week, and I try to do a nice, like, ooh, what are the offensive matchups going to be here? How's the defense going to handle the other team? What is special teams going to... It's impossible with this team uh, in the Harbaugh-Lamar era because this, for one reason, is this team could have a 100% efficiency win by 40 points, or they could lose by a field goal with six turnovers and 18 penalties, and neither result would really be shocking. Uh, the other part of it is, there's no idea who may be playing in this football game for the Ravens. Uh, at this current moment, by my count, uh, they have 13 starters or major contributors. I'm not even counting, like, be- like second stringers, even, or third stringers, or any of that stuff, or special teamers. They have 13 players who would 100% start, if they were healthy, that are injured. And we have no certainty whatsoever if any of them are definite to return by this game. So guess what happens in the NFL if you have 13 of your 22 players not in major roles? Doesn't really matter who you play. You are going to massively struggle. Or they could win by 40. Um, (laughs) The Browns have had, you know, similar question marks. They have two wins by 20-plus points. Uh, and then also a horrible loss uh, against the Steelers. Will the Browns be the 27-3 win over the Titans team? Or the team that gave up two defensive touchdowns to the Steelers uh, in their loss two weeks ago? Can the Ravens find any sort of composure? Can this team learn to control their emotions? Um, Considering their 15-, 16-year head coach hasn't been able to figure that out yet for his roster. These are the questions, fellas. I have no idea how to handle an objective preview of a football game for these Ravens when anything could happen, nothing is clear and no one is healthy. So take it away with what you see in this game. And Antonio, when we were watching the game uh, on Sunday, you had mentioned that no team plays to their level of competition like these Ravens. And so that would not make me surprised if they win this game, I, I think like it's possible Deshaun Watson has an awful game. He still he was a lot better yesterday, or, uh, Sunday, but he still wasn't like great. And he's looked mostly bad <laughs> through the the other two games. He single handedly lost them the Steelers game. So yeah, I mean I think it's the Browns fighting against their own entire history of screwing up even when things are going well versus whatever we have going on. Um, 
but I guess to speak to the Browns and uh, Tim, I know you have some thoughts on this too. Uh, the defense is really good. I think that's uh, obvious. They hold the Titans under a hundred total yards on Sunday, uh, which is hard to do. And the Bengals only managed about 125 in their week one game. And they were pretty good against the Steelers. Again, it was Deshaun Watson gifted the Steelers 14 points on defense, and that's the only reason they lost that game. So I think the Browns' defense is great. They're number one in points and yards in the NFL right now. Um, and Miles Garrett's going to be a problem. He had three and a half sacks uh, against the Titans. And um, I think our offensive line, we didn't touch on them too much, became more of an issue as part of the bogging down as the game went along. Um, I, I just have visions of him going around Patrick Bakari or Morgan Moses and getting a sack. So he concerns me. He concerns me a lot. And uh, yeah, so their defense is definitely going to be a problem, I think. Yeah. The Browns defense has been historically good. Uh, the last team to give up less than 500 yards in the first three games of the season is the 1999 Bucks. That's before the 2000 Ravens, who are inarguably, undisputedly the best defense of all time. Um, not good. Uh, for a Ravens offense, it's going to be a missing a number of players. And, you know, as we mentioned before, seems out of sync. Uh, Miles Garrett is in such a groove that he's doing crossovers before the snap um, and still getting to the quarterback. Um, you know, we, we were talking about it while we were watching the game on Sunday, just pining over a guy like that. Like, just how cool. Now, look, you got to be the Browns and be historically bad and just a terrible franchise. And, and the poop stain of the NFL, which they just so lovingly are. Uh, yeah, keep paying $234 million to that guy. But you got to be that bad to get a guy like that. But sometimes you're just kind of like, man, it would be cool to have a guy like that, wouldn't it? It would be really, really cool. I, I don't know, Antonio. I, I don't know what you want from me here because you're right. I, I The Ravens do play to competition, as Jace mentioned that you said while well, we were watching the game together. But the Ravens could just crap the bed. The Ravens just could be the Browns one day. You know, go back to their roots, as it were, and just – completely lay an egg against this team and then it's all you hear is from the dog pound for three hours which would just i don't know make my head pop like a zit um i well i'll just give my pick now but you guys can say whatever you want about the game call it my hate for the cleveland browns Call it some sort of weird world we're living in. Like, I'm living in the world where Kenyon Drake didn't fumble. Like, like the, <laughs> the multiverse of madness, basically. Doctor Strange sent me somewhere else. And Antonio's living in reality. The fact that I've been more positive than Antonio today should worry you. I'm taking the Ravens plus two and a half. And you know what? If it drops to plus one and a half, I'm taking them again. And I might sprinkle money line. I think the Ravens are going to come back and win this game. I don't have a reason for it. I, I, there's, there's nothing to suggest that the Ravens' offense is going to be good enough to to deal with the, the Browns' historic defense and that the Ravens' defense can handle, you know, any sort of adversity. But maybe they can. Um, you know, on a serious note, I think there's an advantage there. No Nick Chubb is huge. They're going to have to, they're going to, have to deal with Amari Cooper. God willing, Marlon Humphrey comes back. Who knows with him? You know, it's week four now. He, he wasn't put on IR because he was supposed to come back before week four. It's week four no chance uh, he plays. No, no chance. chance. I mean, not that's, a, that's so Raven is him not going on IR, yeah. missing four games anyway. That's so Raven. Shout out Simone. Um, I just, I think, <laughs> I, Amari Cooper's the only guy that scares me, and I'm, I'm like, I'm crossing all my appendages as I say that and getting very nervous. But 
Amari Cooper scares me. Elijah Moore doesn't scare me. Donovan Peoples-Jones doesn't scare me. Deshaun Watson doesn't scare me. Jerome Ford doesn't scare me. David Njoku doesn't scare me. I think the defense can do enough to muck it up, and the offense really needs to show something here. Show what you showed in the first quarter quarter of this game. You know, first half of the first quarter of this game. And it doesn't even have to be that good. It just kind of has to be sort of on that level. And I'm picking the Ravens to win here. Um, and I don't feel great about it, but I got to back my boys. Especially, I'm just not, I'm not picking Cleveland. I'm not doing it. I can't do it. Won't do it. Never going to happen. It is shocking to see the Browns favored just because it feels like it so rarely happens in this matchup. Well, but... okay, let me just jump in. Sorry, real quickly on that. I think a lot of that is where these teams are meeting in this point of the season, right? Like, a lot of people were on the Browns early. And then they smack the Bengals, and people are like, oh, man, this team's great. And then who did they lose to? Oh, it was, it was the Steelers. The Steelers Excuse me. It was, a, Monday, it was yeah. the Steelers <laughs> game on Monday night. And it's like, okay, maybe it's just the Browns. And then they're finding another excuse to be back on the Cleveland Browns with the waxing of a Tennessee team who just might be bad. Might not have a quarterback and might might be the end of the road, excuse me, for their running back Derrick Henry. It, it might just be the end for that team. So you're catching them at an uplift where te- where people are trying to, you know, get this notion in their head of what they liked in preseason about the Browns and really trying to get on that escalator there. And the Ravens are at an all-time low, losing to that Colts team in the fashion that they did. So I think the, the, the way these paths are crossing, and I know in the Zoom call, I'm, they're literally not crossing paths. These lines are parallel, so it's a bad example. I think that that is why this line is where it is. And you know what? Give me the damn Ravens. I think they're going to win this game outright, and I'll take the points. Thank you very much. The defense for the Browns scares me, so I, I went with the Browns on this. I should say, as just a general disclaimer, uh, I would say the Ravens are a no-bet team for anyone. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> IRL. I'm not putting real uh, money on it, for sure. Yeah, Absolutely if you're not. trying to make money one way or the other, I would just not. <laughs> um, but uh, I went with the Browns just because the concerns about their defense. But we should say Lamar Jackson has basically not played this game the last two years. The last two years, they lose in Cleveland. He just outright doesn't play. They lose 13-3 to last season. Um, in Cleveland on an awful, awful day in Cleveland by the lake. And then uh, um, the year before is when he gets hurt the first time and when he gets, uh, you know, hit, trying to escape pressure and uh, doesn't doesn't finish playing the game. So uh, we really haven't seen Lamar. And so that could, you know, maybe, maybe he has a good game against the Browns. The last time he – well, I can't even say he played the full game because the last game he finished in Cleveland was when he missed like half the second half with – cramps quote unquote uh on monday night football um so yeah he just hasn't played this game in a while so it's possible he gives them the win but i i just have concerns with garrett garrett especially and that browns defensive front so i'm going with uh the browns begrudgingly this week as the pick okay i waited um until this moment to make the pick uh for the listener i normally have my selections made pre-recording but i wanted to hear what my co-hosts had to say uh, about this particular game before deciding um i hate how the ravens looked i hate that they now have to go on the road against a tough division opponent i hate that the browns have looked you know pretty good uh, over the majority of the season so far i hate that i have no idea and i cannot say this enough times no idea who is actually going to suit up for the Ravens offensively, defensively, special teams even. Tyler Wallace, place on IR, 
maybe our best <laughs> special teamer outside of Justin Tucker. Um, so he's not he's not going to be there for at least a month now. The weather in Cleveland, Sunday, 74 and sunny. I'll take Baltimore plus two and a half. <laughs> That's it. That's, you know, it's not going to be raining and windy. So, sure, Ravens plus two and a half. I'm gonna go through my other picks and let my let my co-host close out after that. Uh, went one and two last week. Uh, that's gonna happen when you have the Ravens in two of your three <laughs> picks. Uh, lost the tees and the Ravens pick. Won the Bills game. Four and five on the year. It's been a frustrating back-to-back weeks, but we are rebounding this week because I'm not touching the Ravens uh, outside of the the actual game pick that we all make every week. I'm taking the Vikings. Minus three and a half at the Panthers. And I know you might be thinking, the Vikings are bad. They were never good, even last year. They're traveling, they're on the road, and they're favorites by more than a field goal. What are you thinking? The Vikings have been in every game. They've all been one-score losses, which is hilarious because of how good they were in one-score games last season. That's called uh, regressing to the mean. And I think that happens in this game, basically. Uh, I think they are a better football team than the Panthers. Carolina... I don't care who the quarterback is. They struggle to move the football down the field. They struggle to get first downs, and the Vikings can put real points up on the board. I just don't think the Panthers can keep up in in any way, shape, or form. So I'm taking the Vikings, minus 3.5. They're 0-3. They have to to win sometime. (laughs) They're too good of a football team to not win any games, and I think it happens week four uh, against a just young... Uh, young and old, really, Panthers team. Young at certain positions and then too old at other positions. Uh, so I like the Vikings there. And then I'm taking uh, a three-team, six-point tease. Um, and I, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of interested in this one. It's the, it's the Chiefs down to minus three and a half at the Jets. If Zach Wilson plays this game, I don't, I don't know how the Chiefs do not cover uh, minus three and a half. Just the ability... To put touchdowns on the board. Chiefs minus three and a half. The Eagles are moving them down to minus one at Washington. This line may change by the time this episode is published with the Eagles playing Monday Night Football. But for now, uh, it's minus seven. I'm taking the Eagles minus one in the teaser at home against Washington. And then the Dolphins are currently two and a half point underdogs at the Bills. I'm not sure I agree with that line to start. But in a teaser, I'm taking the Dolphins even more so at plus eight and a half. There's going to be points scored in this game. Look for the over, you know, in this game, year in, year out. The Dolphins will likely fizzle late in the year, uh, as they did last year. But when it's still September or early October and Tua's still healthy, eight and a half points is too many uh, against the Bills, considering how easily and quickly the Dolphins can put points on in bulk. So it's Chiefs minus three and a half, Eagles minus one, and Dolphins plus eight and a half. Three team, six point teaser. Let's go. All right, I'll I'll go next. I, I obviously wasn't here last week, but two weeks ago I went two and one to go five and one on the year so far. So feeling pretty good um, about that. The only loss I've had so far is betting against the Ravens uh, in the Bengals game in week two. Um, I already made my Ravens pick. I'll go to my I. I'm teasing, baby. I teased two weeks ago, and it hit, so I'm, I'm joining the tease train with Antonio. And I have the same first two legs. I have Eagles minus one at home to Washington. Um, 
Yeah, the Eagles are just a much better team, and I think the wheels are going to already fall off for the Commanders, unfortunately. Give me minus one. Uh, and then agree everything you said about the Chiefs. This could be the Chiefs in prime time just don't kind of show up like the, the Lions game, and all of a sudden they make it close and they win by a, a Harrison Butker field goal or whatever, which would be frustrating. But Chiefs minus three and a half to that that team. They're all the Jets are all screaming at each other already. Um, you know they're getting in fights on the sidelines. It's imploding in the worst way possible. But I am, I couldn't find a third leg here. Right, I was trying to find a third leg for the six point tees. I couldn't figure out what I wanted. I actually think that Bills line is fishy. The Bills minus two and a half against the Dolphins seems like a sucker line where it's like. Everybody's going to look at that and go, the Dolphins just scored 70. How could they be two and a half points favorites? Give me that. And then all of a sudden the Bills win by like 14 and we're all reacting the other way. Not saying that's going to happen. I don't disagree with bumping it all the way up to eight and a half and then really saving yourself there. I just, I'm scared of that one. So I'm, I'm staying away. So I went to a bunch of different teams. The Cowboys could make it minus one against the Patriots. Am I going to bet against Bill Belichick? I certainly am not, especially when Dak Prescott is the quarterback on the other side. The 49ers, minus 14 against the Cardinals, which would knock it down to minus 8. If I could get it under a touchdown, I would, but I'm just not going to. Although, the 49ers could win that game by 42 points and nobody would be surprised. (laughs) And then I went to the Chargers. I could make it money line against the Raiders. I think the Raiders are one of the worst teams in the National Football League outside of like the Bears and maybe the Panthers and a couple. I think the Raiders are really bad. And I think Josh McDaniels is a horrendous coach. I could pick it money line. But it's the Chargers. The Chargers could do anything at any moment. They could implode. They could lose. They, it, they just came off a big win and you'd be like, oh, now they can carry this momentum. And then they could just screw it up completely and be one and three. And everybody's looking at Brandon Staley on the absolute hot seat. So I kind of got scared of them too. So in a last second pivot, legitimately did this right as we decided to make our picks here. I went against a team that I just praised early in the show. I went against the Houston Texans. I'm going to take the Pittsburgh Steelers, who originally minus three, and tease them to plus three, making them underdogs away against the Houston Texans. I think... This Steelers team just has that stupid it factor. You know, you talk about <laughs> there's there's a there's Matt Canada's a problem, right? The defense is still good, but you talk about Mike Tomlin, and Mike Tomlin kind of has the things that I think we wish John Harbaugh still had, of like just gonna figure out a way with his dudes. The guys seem to love him, what have you. Years ago, overcame the Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown stuff, and still kind of has the moxie. Maybe it's an outside looking in. Maybe Steelers fans will go. I'd swap you for John Harbaugh right now, and, you know, it's kind of grass is always greener situation. Maybe it's that. But I think the Houston Texans are getting a little bit too much love after uh, after the win over Jacksonville. Big win. They now have to play a defense led by T.J. Watt and the like. Um, a very, very, very strong defense. Mika Fitzpatrick as well in the Steelers. Make the Steelers underdogs again. That's been helping me a lot this season because uh, they've been getting ridiculous numbers, including they were underdogs against the Raiders on Monday Night Football, or excuse me, Sunday Night Football, which is just ridiculous. So I will take Raiders, or excuse me, Steelers plus three in my tees. So again, just with Antonio there, Eagles minus one, Chiefs minus three and a half, Steelers plus three. And then final, my final pick here is the Packers on Thursday Night Football, plus one and a half at home to Detroit. I think Detroit might be a more talented team, but I think it's a Thursday night game. It's another primetime spot that Dan Campbell has to get the Lions up for. It's in Lambeau, which I think makes a big difference. And don't forget, week 18 last year, the Lions knocked the Packers out of playoff contention. They're going to be wanting revenge in their home stadium. 
Jared Goff, show me you can do it there again. I know you did it last year. Show me you can do it again. I'm just going to take – the Packers have been good to me too. I'm taking Packers plus one and a half. I am with you on the Packers as well, Tim, plus one and a half. As the home TNF team, uh, bet the under uh, <laughs> as TNF goes. Uh, for me with the Lions, it's just what is their defense? They hold the Chiefs to 20 points, then – the Seahawks do whatever they want, and then they hold the Falcons to six points. It's just you got to find some consistency, and, and I don't know if on the road if, if they'll find it there. So I'm going with the Packers in this case, even though I'm with you. I think the Lions might be more talented. And then I am not afraid. I'm not afraid to take a team that just lost 70-20. to 20. I'm taking the Denver Broncos wow. minus three and a half at the Chicago Bears. Jeez. Is Sean Payton going to lose a game to Matt Eberflus? I say no. I say no. The Broncos are going to win a game. I think the Bears are still the worst team in the NFL. Uh, I think they're run poorly. I think they're coached poorly. Uh, I just, Russell Wilson can't lose. Like, if the Broncos lose this game, they are officially the most down bad organization in the entire NFL. Because you, you bring in you bring in Sean Payton, a future Hall of Fame coach, and if you fall to 0-4, it's it's a complete blow-up. I mean, it might already be in Denver, but uh, there's no saving it if they lose this game. So I'm going with the Broncos. I think the Bears are that bad, uh, and I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid of betting on a team that just lost 70. I believe this line's even moved in the direction of the Broncos. I think it opened at, like, minus three, and it's already creeping up so people do not believe in the bears and uh, i'm amongst them i don't believe in the bears almost made them the final piece of my tease and then i went oh my god it's the broncos i can't do this yeah jace uh relatively new to the gambling game at least as it comes to the nfl and just full degenerate uh picking one of these two teams to win a football i mean i love I, it i love it I, they're gonna tie jay they're gonna uh, how can this not end in like a 11 to 11 tie where neither team wins Oh, uh, boy. Uh, all right. I love it. Um, you, you will notice, dear listener, that there was no trivia game. Uh, there was there were no Harbaugh quotes because we didn't deserve any fun uh, on this episode. So I didn't want to have any game. No, we played no games on this episode because that how fed up I was. We might bring that up uh, next week, depending on uh, my emotions and, and how, I, how, my, how, I, how deep I am into my feelings based on the Ravens performance. But for now, uh, for Jay Sevens and Tim Horsey. I am Antonio Barbera. Thank you very much for listening to us be grumpy. We will be back next week uh, on Pod Like a Raven, so thank you for listening to us. We will see you next week.